I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful about sling and stone. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're back live here on YouTube. A little loud there today. And quick. Sorry about your earbuds, your eardrums, through your earbuds. We're live. Talking <laughs> corners today. It's cornerback time, Sam. It is. It is. Let's get into it. You're a little uh, out of control this morning. I'm excited. Yeah. I just chugged some coffee. Okay. Maybe that too much, too much right there. Um, so yesterday's show was awesome. A lot of great feedback. We had Jim Nagy. Director of the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes the title isn't as enticing as something like mock draft. Mm. But I do suggest you go. Uh, we had because there was a lot of questions that I asked Jim that I've been dying to ask. You know, we've talked to him off air or whatever, but you know, you, you don't have all that time. So I was asking him questions on air that I've been, you know, looking for answers for, for you know for years. So it was a lot of fun, fun discussion. Yeah, some good uh, good topics of conversation. He had some takes on a lot of these draft guys as well. So it isn't just a you know strictly dude talks about senior bowl type of interview yeah it was fun all right so uh check that out from yesterday either audio or video form and mm -hmm. then uh, we've done wide receiver rankings we're not going to go through each position but you and i are going to do our own rankings for certain positions we've done quarterbacks we've done receivers it's uh it's a pass first league guys we're going corners um next week we'll have edge defenders and that might be it you know if if there's really a lot of push for us to discuss running backs and give you guys some fantasy advice maybe we could do uh 20 minutes on running backs at Which, some point. Which, so far, there has not been. Every time I've posted a poll about it, running backs are last. It's our fault. Nobody it cares. Is, it's a little sad because we understand the diminished value of running backs. However, I enjoy watching running backs. I enjoy watching a good running back. I just understand that he won't have the same impact as the uh, you know 10th best running back or whatever it might be. So we could talk about RBs at some point, though. We'll but, see. You know, let us know. Forget running backs for the moment. Let us know if there's any other position you want us to cover if you're, if with you're our really own rankings. Wanting for more, you know, by the way, more rankings. one little, not even a one addendum, maybe to the wide receiver rankings. We neither of us never brought up Charlie Jones from Purdue. An apology, yeah, we just have to apologize. We should have to our audience. He's good. It is. He's uh, way better than I gave him credit for first time around. Charlie Jones is really good. Yeah. yeah. Which I noticed from watching him torch a lot of yeah. the cornerbacks we are going to be talking about today. So I don't know if he would have cracked the top ten, but. He's on the rankings, and I actually think there's a very high chance he's going to be a pretty useful NFL player. That's how I started to really love Tim Patrick a couple of years back. when he, I was scouting a Dory Jackson and maybe yeah. Sidney Jones from Washington, and I'm like, here are these two first-round caliber corners, and Tim Patrick's running all over him, right? He's, he's torching these guys, and uh, that made me fall in love with Tim Patrick. I forget time. what the show was where we were talking about this thing, but I genuinely think it's a really useful data point where somebody – I saw a term for it as well. Somebody used it like a buzz phrase for this, but it's like crossover film or something. But when you see a guy routinely jump out on somebody else's tape, you know, you're not supposed to be watching this guy, but he's the one you end up coming away impressed with. Charlie Jones had a ton of tape versus all these other corners and usually was winning. Yeah, and my, and my favorite part of watching all these corners, especially in the Big Ten, was when Aiden O'Connell showed up to throw the ball 
to uh, to Charlie Jones. You never know what you're going to get from Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. Purdue quarterback. A lot of good throws, a lot of uh, not so good throws. But he's fun. All right. The PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves and these draft moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. You can like build your build your big board over there. Mm. Put your big board over there at westernsouthern.com. Let's go. Deploy your assets properly. It's like it's like a whole uh, off-season strategy like an NFL team would use. westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, are we ready here? Yeah, let's go. How do you want to do it? What's your plan? What's your strategy? So we, neither of us, uh, previously, for the wide receiver one, we saw each other's rankings. We have yet to see each other's cornerback rankings. Correct. By the way, um, I just I dialed in uh, Charlie Jones to try and find his measurables, and uh, the database spat out some dude that played for Fresno in the early 90s who had a, a relative athletic score of one. So I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. But <laughs> turns funny. out Charlie Jones, the Purdue wide receiver, had a short shuttle of 415, which would rank third at the combine behind only JSN and uh, – how did I say that guy's name was pronounced? Yoshivas? Yoshivas? Uh, and then Princeton. Th- which called yeah. Princeton. Princeton, right. Princeton. And a three-cone of 684, which would have been second to Oni JSN. So, Charlie Jones got some moves. It, it was a huge oversight because um, I apologize, man. He's an 83rd percentile model guy. Oh. So, he's a, he's a due draft he's guy. He's threshold. 84th percentile combine. He's 24, according to my notes here. But, um, yeah, that's a we apologize to Charlie Jones and to all Charlie Jones fans yes. out there. Uh-huh. He should be at least in the top 10. I need an addendum for my wide receiver rankings. All right, so cornerback rankings. You and I have not seen each other's rankings. We've had some dialogue. Um, you hate some of my players. <laughs> um, I want to discuss, what's your process? How do you rank these guys? What are you looking for? Give me a little background going into this. Um, so my process, I mean, obviously we, we went – a block of time over a few days to watch all these corners. Um, my plan was essentially to just work through starting from the top of a some kind of amalgam list, you know, a consensus big board, something like that, work my way down. And I was trying to rank as I went. So rather than like watch them all, do notes, then try and slot them, I was like, all right, player two is better than player one. So my order is now two, one. Player three is worse than both of them, so it's now two, one, three. You know what I mean? And try and keep the order sensible. And then right at the end, when I'm kind of working through the list, look through it, figure out if anything seems off based off that, but also looking through the notes and being like, yeah, actually, I do remember liking that guy way more than I have him on this ranking. I did find it reasonably easy to slot people, but there was a run of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, sort of six, seven, eight nine that kind of range where i really struggled to slot these guys like i there was a guy i wanted to push higher and there was a guy i wanted to push lower and i couldn't quite come up with a justification of doing it once i got into that like weird six seven eight nine range of players yeah i think i think my tipping point was nine eight or nine i felt pretty good about the top seven before we break it so is there any individual player big name whatever that you are going to be way off the consensus on because there is one for me. Um, Deontay Banks is the guy I thought. I'm, I'm back. I've been back and forth on Deontay Banks. Um, I didn't put him in my first round mock. If I had to do it over again, I might. I'm back and forth on Deontay Banks. There's nobody that I'm 
way lower on though from a big name standpoint. Okay, I have one. Uh oh. Yeah, I'm looking for it. So like you know, there's 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 a couple of guys in here that are like my Mingo, you know, who I am much higher on than yeah. everybody else, and I actually on reflection wish I'd had the confidence to push him even higher on my top ten. There's there's one where I'm probably two actually where I'm really high on a guy relative to the consensus and there's one where I'm really low on a guy relative to the consensus so you are you're mostly just based off of film here what you've seen your eyes yeah okay um did you use any data or anything yeah like I used it I think oh you know I think he's good but the grades are you know bad therefore I'm gonna move him whatever I use grades to kind of check stuff or you know when I think I've seen something like it's rather because you go through you're watching all this tape and you're like you know, it feels like he does this good or bad. And then you're like, well, is that reflected in data? Like, it looks like he's got his hands on a ton of footballs, you know, really good at the catch point. But if you go and pull up his tape and he's got like three pass breakups over the last four years and you just saw all three of them sequentially, it's probably not a fair point, right? So I use the sort of the data, the grades, that kind of stuff as a check. And also for reasons to go find out more about guys, like there are, you know, there are players in this list where, they're amazing one year and they stink the rest of the time or like why is that the case like that sometimes i'll use the grades oh look that's his profile that's weird let me go and find out why that was his career those are annoying yeah all right um my process really quick um it's a combination of a bunch of things uh everybody's heard about my draft model i used a little bit of that as a guide um it's not just a blind usage of the model i certainly watch the film there's guys that my numbers liked where I didn't love them on film, but I still might hashtag trust the model. There's other guys that the model doesn't like, but there's ways to kind of manipulate the data to kind of convince yourself he's okay. So it's kind of, for me, it was a combination of all those things, but um, film was obviously a, a big part of it as well, as it should be. You ready to get into it? Yeah. All right, so we'll start at the top. Sam, who's your top cornerback in this draft? Devin Witherspoon. <clears throat> Fully, you know, chalk. Illinois. <laughs> He, he's the best. And the thing, I felt a lot like, remember when Sauce Gardner, I, I felt like he was my favorite corner. And then the one concern I think a lot of people had with Sauce was, is he actually that fast? And then he goes out there and runs a 4-4 flat. And you're like, all right, sold, done. That'll do it. Um, Witherspoon basically did the same thing. My one real concern with Witherspoon was, man, I wish he was a special athlete. If he was, I think he'd be up in that Sauce Gardner range. And then he goes out there and runs like a low 4-4 at his pro day. I'm like, all right, that'll work. Done. I sold. So that's all I need. Um, you can see, like, he's got a lot of experience on tape or, or experience playing, period. And you can see it on tape. He knows what's coming. I don't know if it's just playtime experience, if it's tape study, but whatever it is, like, he knows the offense better than the receivers that are playing it. He's always anticipating the route combination, the route from the receiver. The swing pass out right. of the backfield. Like the plays that he knows are coming before they're actually even happening. He's not reading like the tell. He knows the play. So there's so many plays. Like he's a step ahead of basically everything. He's either running the route for the receiver. He's, you know, breaking those plays up in the backfield based off pre-snap motion. He's so good at that. Um, his recovery change of direction is good is his change of direction period he hits like a freight train he avoids traffic like he's he's really really good um one of my notes on the negative side though is his aggressiveness will put him out of position right i feel like there's um a, you know some of that guesswork 
you know, calculated guesswork that you're talking about might put him out of position in but zone I think or whatever it might be. There are other but players. But I have far more positives than Yeah, and there are other players in this list that I think guess a lot more than he does. Like yeah. he, I think he reads plays and anticipates what's coming based off, you know, tendencies down distance or whatever. And sometimes you're going to be wrong. But I think that's very different to there's a couple of other players on this list who are clearly guessing a lot more than, you know, using tendencies to educate yourself as to what's likely to be coming. They're like, I think this is what's coming. Uh Oh, it wasn't touchdown. So yeah, he is uh, hashtag fun to watch on your fun to watch team. Devin Witherspoon might be number one in this draft class. I've mentioned before, one of the best pass breakups you will see of all time where he just reads the play right away as a corner outside corner. And he breaks up a swing pass to a running back yeah. with a picture perfect hit. Um, I, I wrote down a hair on fire player. Right? Mm. He's just flying around. He's got good footwork. He's got he's a good run defender. I think he could play in the slot because of all of his uh, yeah. footwork, athleticism, and his uh, his good play in the run game. If you wanted to put him in a Jalen Ramsey type of role, he's not the same type of player as Jalen Ramsey size-wise or anything, but you, you could do that. I think his recovery footwork is incredible. Yeah. Acceleration. Love a lot about Devin Witherspoon. Yeah. I have cited on this show before that he's the a hashtag one-year wonder. That's just a name I'm using for a player where most of their production came in one year, mm-hmm. right? And I've, I've said, look, the, the hit rate for corners isn't great for, for those types of players. But um, I know in my data, the, the last year was so good for Witherspoon, it probably offsets the fact that it all came in one year. Yeah. Um, and I think... And I'm just, all I'm doing is putting like this baseline of here's what we've seen historically, consider it. But I've considered it, and I still think Witherspoon's the yeah. best corner and the one I would take first in the draft. Because you can see evidence of, again, whether it's the experience or whether he's just reached a point where he's inside the head of every offense, I, I don't really care. But because he's showing that now, like if he showed none of that and it was just athleticism, you know, guesswork or flying around and just being good, maybe you could argue, okay, the lack of experience could be a problem at the NFL level where there's more deception, there's more trickery, there's all that kind of stuff. But he's so far ahead of the curve relative to every other corner that it feels like, I mean, that's whether or not he got there through four years of experience, figuring it all out, like this is this is a good thing. This is why I don't care that maybe he got his ass kicked for a few years until he learned all these things. But like now he's there. All right, so Witherspoon <coughs> is also my number one. So we're both in agreement there. Um, so there you go. We're both going to go to a top 15. We'll see how this goes. Maybe. Yeah, people were critical, justifiably so, that we didn't go to 15 for wide receivers. So we could gone, have Charlie Jones. Yes, we've yeah. gone that deep for corners. All right, let's go to your number two corner. My number two corner is Joey Porter Jr., Penn State. Oh, I know who you're lower on now. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Joey I, Porter Jr. I like two. Joey Porter a lot. So obviously the thing, you know, you read any scouting report in Joey Porter, you're going to hear the same thing. He's like the best press man corner in this draft. 100% true. He is. He's the prototypical press man corner. The guy's length is absurd. Like he latches on to receivers at the line of scrimmage, and then they're just, you can't get rid of him once he's on you because he's so big and so long. Um, but I think he can do more in zone as well. Like, he didn't look at this guy. There have been corners down the years where you're like, he's really good at man coverage. He stinks in zone. Joey Porter doesn't stink in zone. Um, He's definitely better at man coverage right now, but I think he has the skills to play in zone and be a really high-impact player in those schemes as well. Reminded me a little bit of 
J.C. Horn in terms of body type and size, but I think he's got more better movement skills than J.C. Horn did at the time. Um, yeah, I think he's the clear number one corner for anybody that wants to run that press man scheme. But I think he's also like the potential for him in any other scheme is high enough that he'd be my number two. You wrote down J.C. Horn. I didn't write down J.C. Oh, Horn. okay. I just I've told you that right now. I'm I'm uh, I wrote down J.C. Horn in my notes. Oh. Um, in in our assessment of him at the time, which was put him in a press man scheme. Yeah. Number one, right? Which yeah. was like if you're the few teams that run that at the time, it was the Lions, the Dolphins, the Patriots, that whole Belichick tree. J.C. Horn felt like the perfect fit. He went to a zone-heavy scheme in Carolina. Um, I agree that Joey Porter can play zone, and, and he's got that zone length, right? When you have when you have great length, it's not just for press. It's also to be able to compress passing lanes and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But there were some ugly coverage busts there. Now, if that's all on Porter, if it's the scheme, if it's just getting out-schemed by the offense, cover three, cover two. There's a few times he's jumping in cover two. There's a few times... There's some cover three busts against him. Yeah, as well. so so what I noted, I think he's got a good feel for where the threats are in zone, for that whole uh, splitting route concepts, for you know squeezing lanes, all that kind of thing. The the, the stuff that's very difficult to coach. Um, where I think he does fall down is <clears throat> he wants to he wants to plaster, like he wants to play man coverage, right? So when the play breaks down in the backfield, and all of a sudden everybody's everybody's working ad-libbing he immediately wants to latch onto a receiver and trail that guy wherever he's going where sometimes as a zone corner you need to kind of maintain a little bit of patience and discipline and continue to kind of play an area between two receivers and then figure out where the quarterback wants to go then break on it so I think he's a little bit too quick to like zero in on the one guy and go that's where I'm going yeah but I think a lot of that is a product of just the dude plays man all the time the fact that he has a good feel for where the threats are, for the for where to be in initially, I think is a good sign for the zone coverage. And I think if you just if you make the split more even, he probably ends up getting a lot better at learning that discipline part of it. Yeah. So with um, so I'm gonna have this is where we're gonna veer a little bit, right? So I'm gonna have Porter at three on my list. Okay. Um, I'll circle back to my two in a second just to finish the Joey Porter discourse, though. I stole a term I used in my Sauce Gardner notes from last year, okay. which was uh, catch point nuisance mm. because of his length and everything. He is just an absolute nuisance he's to catch so, passes he's against. He's so strong as well. Yeah. Like, he makes a lot of pass breakups just through being stronger than you. Yeah. Like, he's not actually in necessarily great position, or at least the receiver has position on him, catches the ball, and then Porter just goes, nope, and just rips it away or rips their hands away or whatever. Just, like, physically outmuscles the dude once the ball arrives and like there aren't that many i mean there's a lot of corners in this list that can't do that uh 34 inch arms is is nuts is a hundredth percentile that's tied with julius brents from kansas state not only in this draft class but historically in our database uh 10 inch hands if that matters that's extremely (laughs) massive uh wingspan over 80 inches which is also huge a little bit uh shorter than brents ran 446 joey porter uh, for the record, the model's like pretty good on him, doesn't love. Uh, the model loves Devin Witherspoon, doesn't love Joey Porter Jr., but I love him enough that I put him in the first. I think there's a tier of top three corners, which includes the guy that you're low on, which is my number two, Christian Gonzalez. That's mm. the guy you're lower on. Yeah. Really low on Christian Quite Gonzalez, huh? Yeah. Um, so we might as well just get our Christian Gonzalez 
discourse out of the way right now. You no, you give me give me your sales pitch on him, and then we'll circle back to him when, he, when we get there in my rankings because it's going to take a while. So this is where I'm saying the I can manipulate the data oh. any way that I want. Handy. Um, in in the pure sense of is he an 80th percentile guy for me? No, he's a little bit below. He's about 70th. Uh, the combine numbers, all of his workout numbers are 90th percentile. Yeah. And that's where sometimes I lean, like that's where the elite players come from. So historically, if you look at, um, not like relative athletic score or anything like that, but just the way I've looked at it, when you take workout numbers, project them to wins above replacement, project them to war, you take those 90th percentile players at corner, <coughs> your elite players are pretty much coming out of that group at a, at a pretty high rate if they're drafted in the first round. So for me, it's this combination of, I liked enough of what I saw from Gonzalez on tape, talk about that in a sec. The consensus to me matters a little bit in this stuff, right? At, especially at corner, where it is tough to project. I think, I think more voices matter, so I'm kind of like using that in the data, in my head. Um, and then the workout stuff. Uh, from an on-field standpoint, I get why you might not love them. Like I get... It, it, to me, it's about what you value. I mean, I wrote down the word smooth about five times on him. That's in there. Right? Yeah. Very smooth. Disgustingly uh, smooth was what was my, one of my bullets. Yeah. I mean, as far as covering routes, where he's not smooth is in space with the Georgia game. Like, there was missed tackles, and he just uh, – Yeah. I, just, I wrote down the tackles. They're ugly. Lost in underneath the zone, right? So there are definitely parts of his game that aren't great. Mm -hmm. But I think covering one-on-one -on -one, – and being at the catch point yes. is is the biggest win for Christian Gonzalez. Yes. Now, what you do at the catch point... Which, which I usually value very highly. Yeah. Like, I've talked before in the NFL, certainly with young corners, like, the first thing I would like to see is if that guy is generally in and around the catch point all the time. Because I think that's, like, the most difficult step to get to being good is, can you get to that point every play? If you can get to that point... There's a lot of variance from there on in that can swing your way sometimes, right? So I think that's a big part of it. And like, I think he has that. Like, one full bullet point I have is like disgustingly smooth mover, mirrors and glides with receivers effortlessly. Like he's dude. I hate that we have the same, the same wording. What did I say? Uh, but it's true. Like that's what he is. Glides for at the time I said six two two ten. He's six yeah. one one ninety seven. I said like, glides. Bump and run looks smooth, and then I and then I said, "Here's my second look of Christian Gonzalez, still smooth, yeah. right?" So everything movement-wise is awesome. And you could see that at the combine, whether it was running his forty, whether it was doing the movement drills, like he just has the most fluid, slick movement skills of any corner in this draft. My problem is almost everything else. Do you want to reveal how low you have him right now, or we'll just kind of when we get there? No, we'll, we'll do it when we get there. All right. So I still said Gonzalez at two. Um, definitely have my doubts. Uh, he's, he's not exactly one year of production. It's just, you know, solid production from Gonzalez. Part of it is banking on first round corners that have that type of athleticism. I'm more willing to, you know, ignore the production a little bit. And, um, I'm going to do that later with another player, <laughs> not ignore the production, but like ignore like the hard production data. Okay. I liked Gonzalez enough on film that I'll put him at two. My three is Joey Porter Jr., right? So I've got uh, so I have Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., who is your two, mm -hmm. and then uh, so there we go. So there's my top three right now, just because we've already talked about Joey Porter. Now it's your turn. Who is your number three corner? So my number three corner 
is ostensibly a safety. It's Brian Branch. Oh, I thought I didn't know we were putting him in this list. I mean, I'm treating him so if we assume he's a slot corner, which effectively is what he was at Alabama, he's also in this category though where I he might be able to play everywhere in the secondary. Everywhere, including outside number one corner. If he if he was a tenth faster in the forty, I, he might be the best cornerback in this draft. Like outside corner. He's so good at everything. He's he plays the slot, but he's got like number one corner size. He's big. Um, he's technically sound. He does everything well. He's the best tackler in this class at any position, slot, outside, whatever. He fights through blocks like they're not there. He he's in that like Minka Fitzpatrick, yeah. Derwin James category of he might be able to play everywhere in your secondary. The only thing that separates him from those two guys, I think, is he ran like a four five eight as opposed to. Like Minka was a four four something, right? Like yes. Minka was a four four guy and went pick number eleven. If like if you could take a tenth of a second off Branch's forty time, he would be he'd be right up there as like the best pure football players in this draft, along with Bijan Robinson, along with Jalen Carter, minus the off field stuff. He's so good. And yeah. even even with those limitations of four six speed, he's the best slot in this class I, did, I didn't put brian branch in this group um just because I, I think i've just put him in the safety group right i mean i've run i've run the model on him as a corner and as a safety both work great um i love brian branch if i knew that we were gonna rank him i took him and antonio johnson out of this as because they're guys that are players who played in the slot in college who are just projected as safety mm -hmm. broadly um there's other slot receivers uh, corners that i've left in this I'm with you on Branch, though. I mean, I might, I might put him, as far as football players, i put him up there right below Devin Witherspoon, to be honest. If I was ranking Brian Branch, I'd go Devin Witherspoon, then Brian Branch number two. I just want him on my football team. His tackling stats are absurd, moves extremely well. I always reference the play he made against Jonathan Mingo with a, a two-way go in the slot where he breaks on the ball uh, and, and, and breaks it up in the end zone. Brian Branch does it all. I want him uh, on my team. If we remember the Minka uh, Fitzpatrick discourse, and I think Minka was bigger and faster, right? I mean, he was just a – Minka Fitzpatrick played that star nickel role for Alabama, and people projected him into the NFL as potentially an outside corner yeah, or a safety, right? And we were saying with I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, much like Jalen Ramsey did at Florida State, Jalen Ramsey was a, a, a safety and then a slot and then an outside corner at Florida State. We thought Minka might do something similar. Put him at outside corner. He's big. He's fast. The Dolphins put Minka as their nickel. It wasn't great. And then he became a true free safety for the Steelers and has had a very good career. I think Branch can be better at nickel than Minka Fitzpatrick. Could play safety. Um, I'm intrigued by what you're saying. Hey, he can line up outside. I'm, you know, if he was a little bit faster. I don't think they'll try that, but it's intriguing to have that type of versatility. I love Brian Branch. I'm all in. Um, didn't know you were going to put him on the list, but yeah. that's cool. Yeah, Minka was uh, an inch taller, not even an inch, half an inch taller, 10, 15 pounds heavier, though. Um, but the key difference to me is he ran a 4.46 as opposed to a 4.58. Right. Which is, it's not significant if you're going to play them at safety, to be honest. But I think, like Minka, the, the discussion was you could play that guy as a true cornerback in the NFL. I think you could say the same thing for Branch if you shaved a tenth of a second off that 40. Which doesn't sound like much, but it's probably, like it's right on, right now he would be right on that borderline of, is this workable? 
versus you take a tenth off, you're like, no, we're fine. Four, 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 eight. That's perfectly fast enough to play outside corner. One key thing, though, is his 10-yard split is fast, yeah. uh, as is his broad jump. Like, he's got some numbers, explosive numbers, that say he can offset any relative lack of straight line speed. And you can see that. Like, he, he is explosive. He plants his feet and drives fast on anything that's in front of him. The corners who have 4-5 speed and have success are crazy long. I mean, yeah. they're like your Richard Shermans and all that stuff. So that's not Branch. So I get it. He's not a true corner, but, um, I mean, he could be the best nickel that's come out since we started doing this. The tackling's absurd. What do you have? He had four missed tackles in his entire college career. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. He also, by the way, in that role in Alabama's defense, like he faced some pretty legit wide receivers in the slot one-on-one with no help. You know, like they had him matched up on Jalen Hyatt in that cheat code of an offense one-on-one. Like Jalen Hyatt's supposedly one of the, the best burners in the NFL, and they were exposing him one-on-one deep down the field. You mentioned the play against Jonathan Mingo. Like he, he faced some to, legit guys. To be clear here, when you're ranking him as a corner here, you're ranking him as a slot corner, right? You're saying he's going to play in the slot. I think he will play in the slot. I'm also saying that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out the idea that he can play outside. Yeah, he won't. I don't think that's on the table for anybody. But I wouldn't say that he can't do that. Yeah, and we're not just ranking outside corners here. We're ranking just this broad cornerback group. Yeah, so, and like, again, like Derwin James, and this is not me, you've already broken the dam of jinxing the man in the offseason. But like him, like we've seen tape. That guy goes one-on-one with Keenan Allen every offseason in practice and wins as a corner. I, I think Derwin James could play outside as a boundary corner and thrive in the NFL level. Oh, I don't think they're ever going to do it, but I think it's real. I think the same thing is true for Branch. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. I love it. I like Branch. Um, all right, so go to your number four. My number four. Who's your number four corner? My number four is Deontay Banks. So you have Deontay Banks. Mm-hmm. All right, I got him. I thought I was going to be lower on him. I kept going back and forth. I have him at five. So his. So he's got, like, sick movement skills as well. He's got that Christian Gonzalez, not the same, not fluid and smooth, but his his ability to mirror and just move with any wide receiver I think might be the best of any corner in this group in, in the class he's, yeah. he's got speed to the burst to match it as well like he's got elite physical movement skills for uh, a corner and he's also <clears throat> got some po- positive coverage traits as well like he stacks wide receivers really well down the field doesn't let them do it to him he leans on them very well uh, takes away space like minimizes the window they have to hit doesn't have Witherspoon's like instant read on where to be and where to go and what's coming those kinds yeah. of things um maybe not as great at the catch point good not great but you I see the coverage good. numbers if you're on YouTube there you see the numbers from last year 72 overall grade 74.3 coverage grade 11 pass breakups the, the grading has never been great for Deontay Banks which mm-hmm. made me think going in wasn't going to love him but oh my gosh his speed is incredible yep his his play speed is the best yeah. In this class. And what did he uh what did he run? I think he ran fast. I know he ran fast. It was four three five, right? Yeah. So I mean his like Christian Gonzalez ran four three eight. He ran four three five. My guy DJ Turner ran four two six. Nobody's speed shows up on fe- on the field like Deontay Banks. Because when um you mentioned he doesn't give a lot of room to receivers. When he does though, he just like, oh, I'll just catch up. Makeup speed is yeah. is out of this world for Deontay Banks. Mm-hmm. So why is he not higher with everything that we just described? Why is he not higher? Yeah. Well, um, I don't think he's 
I don't think any of them are as good at everything as Witherspoon. So to me, it's not it's not a like my wide receiver group was a big two or three. This the corner group is a is a one. It's Witherspoon is the clear number one ahead out in his own. That it's like branches his own weird thing of like this do it all defensive back that can also play corner and slot and whatever. So it's really why is he not ahead of Joey Porter? Um, to me, I'm just more confident in what Joey Porter can be than Banks. I think Banks has better quickness, speed, all those kinds of things. Porter's capacity to just overwhelm people physically, I think, is pretty crazy. You didn't, uh, you didn't buy into the propaganda that I sent you. What was that? Deontay Banks just tackling, uh, it may have been Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State receiver, just tackling him in the secondary. Good play. Off of the sl- it wasn't even a double move. It was just like an outside release. Go Your alternative ball, at that point. tackled him. Your alternative at that point is to not tackle him and give up a touchdown. Tackle you, him. You hate when announcers say that all the time. Like, oh, it's a great play by the corner. You have a de- defensive pass interference. It'd be a better play to not get burnt. Smart play. Um, Banks is, is the challenging one for me, right? Because I think uh, my eyes tell me this dude can cover anybody. Um, and then you see, to me, he just gives up. Like, why, did, why was the production not good? He gets stuck in the mud a little bit on that type of play. He gives up a lot of room on crossing routes, in breakers generally. You mentioned how fast Devin Witherspoon is to react. I think Deontay Banks is a little bit slower in, in just reading receivers generally. I, I, think he, I think he lets receivers just run by him too many times. I know you kind of had the opposite take. I thought he just lets receivers do too much, and he relies on his athleticism to, to play catch-up. Um, so can that be fixed? Maybe. Um, so in like numbers-wise, the model hates him from a production standpoint and thinks it's nearly about as elite as it gets <laughs> from a combine standpoint. And yeah. I'm going to go back to when the combine numbers say that, that's where the elite players come from, right? So he's a he's a fringe model guy because his his workout numbers are so strong so i put him at five as my hedge just a little bit I'll, so i'll be a touch lower on him i think than others but not as low i thought i'd be lower because i didn't love the tape other than just like the natural athleticism yeah his combine was crazy i mean the four three five that, that's a fast number anyway but it's not it's the worst number he posted at the combine he had a 10 yard split of one four five anything under one five is lightning fast uh, a 42 inch vertical uh, 11 foot broad jump like Crazy numbers. Uh, Byron Jones-esque, right? Byron Jones had that crazy combine. You know who he kind of reminded me of, though, as a football player, which you might completely disagree with? Josh Robinson, the Vikings corner that ran 4-3-2, who was a very good athlete, but wasn't a great corner overall. I think think Banks is better and probably a better prospect and, and ends up better. But if he also just never figured it out at cornerback, I wouldn't be... Terribly surprised either. So I think there's some boomer bust to Deontay Banks. But uh, after rewatching, I get him more. I get him a little bit more than yeah. I did going in. So he, Banks think, is your four. He'll be my five. I think those guys are obvious why people like them. Like the Deontay Banks to Christian Gonzalez, the people you can see their movement, you know, like that's their biggest selling point, are the easiest ones to understand yeah. why anybody would be high on them. Yeah. So just to. Before we start to sound like we're going to contradict ourselves, next week we're going to rank edge defenders. And edge defender is the one where I'm going to rely on the data far more than I will at cornerback because it just projects better, right? So if you're listening to the show this week and the next week, you're going to say, okay, why, why are you ranking somebody with poor grades and just a great combine, ranking them high at corner 
and and then taking the opposite approach at edge defender. And I think it's because you should take the opposite approach at, at those particular positions. I think at corner, because because production tends to fluctuate so much, you do kind of want to rely on the right measurables at cornerback. At edge defender, there's a pretty good history of take the productive guy who's also a good athlete, and you're going to be okay. Once you veer on either of those, either production or athleticism, you're you're adding risk to the equation. So I just wanted to say, like, that's why that's why sometimes the production doesn't match. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys at corner, like positions are different. You're not going to treat athleticism versus production versus whatever else you want to fold in there the same at every single position. So I don't think it's contradictory to lean on it necessarily in one position and not lean on it in another. All right. Just just to answer the chat really quick. Production at edge, not sack totals, production at edge defenders, the way the proper way to uh, to, to track that is far more consistent than production at cornerback. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's all. Grading, stats, all of it are far more consistent on the defensive line than they are at corner. All right, my number four is Emmanuel Forbes okay. from Mississippi State. 166 pounds, but boy, is he feisty. He plays like a dude that knows he's 166 pounds. And has to be aggressive and attack. He's a ball hawk. Loves to tackle. Mix it up. Uh, I'm a little scared of the of how slight he is. I looked up. So historically, highest graded players who are of that weight over the last, I think I went back to 06. The highest graded players who are under 170. We have Isaiah Rogers from the Colts, seventh rounder a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. We have Jabari Greer. From the Saints. Remember Jabari Greer? Yeah. Which might be the best, just he's going to play outside and have a starting opportunity. He was much shorter, right? Yeah, I think he was 5'10", Greer. I looked him up. Forbes is 6'1", 6'1". Um, you have uh, Joselio Hansen, yeah. the, the slot corner. Dante Dion. Um, there's not Isaiah Trufant. I mean, there's not a whole lot of players yeah. under 170 who are even <coughs> playing football. And Cameron Dantzler, who we always say is like super slight and so skinny, was 171, mm-hmm. right? So, well, that was fake 171 as well, though. It was fake 171, right? Yeah. So, like official numbers. So, there's not a lot of comps here for Emmanuel Forbes, but I like him a lot as a football player. There is no cornerback back to 06 that actually has his combination of being under 170, sub 44. Yeah. And 32 and a half inch arms. So right. there's no actual real comps for Emmanuel Forbes, which makes this a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, he's my number six. So we're in the same, you know, ballpark with him. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, he, he is visibly lightweight. Like not only can you identify him immediately just from a glance at the field, but it also shows up like in routes. He, he has to put a lot of energy into contact that he makes with wide receivers. And sometimes that gets him out of control. Like, the problem with – so, theoretically, we're in this world where lightweight isn't the problem it used to be, right? We talked about this with Jim Nagy yesterday. Wide receivers, guys like Devontae Smith being 160, Tank Dell, these guys, these smaller receivers, it's not the problem it used to be. But you still can't get away from the idea that you're at some point – you versus a dude that weighs 220, 230, it's 50, 60 pounds. It's huge. Yeah. And I think that that – so it's one thing where you're a wide receiver and you can kind of hide that a bit and you can do a lot to get away from that matchup. I think it's a slightly different problem when you're a corner and at some point DK Metcalf's just going to go – he's going to be there. And now you're like, okay, that guy outweighs me. He's, Forbes is what, 160? 160, 166. Okay. 
So like, DK Metcalf outweighs him by almost 70 pounds. 6'1", 166. Like, that's insane. Yeah, but he also outweighed Dante Dion, who was 5'7", or whatever he was. And, and, one and Dante Dion isn't really but in the Dion, league anymore. Yeah, but he battled, and he was, I mean, Forbes is way bigger. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, it, at some point, you run into that physics problem, and there's simply no offsetting that. There really isn't. That's this class more than ever, right? Like yeah, this yeah. Class, There's a lot of guys like that. It is, uh, it, I think Renner tweeted this a few weeks back as far as just size right. outliers. And maybe those guys... multiple positions. And maybe those guys are going to be great against the likes of Devontae Smith and Tank Dell and these smaller wide receivers. But sooner or later, they're going to hit an A.J. Brown, a, a D.K. Metcalf, a traditional, if you like, six-foot-plus, 220-pound wide receiver, and they're just going to get overwhelmed. And you see some of that on Forbes' tape. Like, the times where it doesn't happen, he's really good. He's got some great movement skills as well. Um, he has a lot of that guesswork that Witherspoon doesn't have. Yeah, I, I think Forbes is a lot more guessy than Witherspoon was. He makes some really good reads, but I think he's guessing a lot. There's some bad whiffs in there. Um, he's decent at the catch point, but I feel like there's just too much evidence already on his tape where you're like, oh, that – that 160-something, that's a problem. So I, I would also say if I was tiering this, if I was putting these guys into tiers, I would say my top three, Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, <coughs> Joey Porter, I'd have those guys in the top tier. Mm -hmm. I'd be comfortable with them around the top 15 or whatever. Um, once I get to Forbes at Mississippi State, Deontay Banks at Maryland, I'm, I'm thinking late first, early second for those guys. I think there's a drop-off. Um, so I, I don't I put, I put Forbes at four because but this is where my board starts to veer a little bit once and then it's going to veer again around like eight or nine. Yeah, this is where I started to struggle to order the four or five guys that I have in a list here. All right, so uh, I already revealed my number five being Deontay Banks from Maryland. Who is your? What am I asking you for? Well, your five. We can do five and then we can get to seven because that's our <laughs> reveal. But my number five is Cam Smith from South Carolina. Um, so my run of this, this, this little run here goes Camp Smith, South Carolina, then Forbes, as we already talked about, Mississippi State, and then seven, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, which is, I think, by far the lowest I've seen anybody on that guy. Let's start, let's do the Camp Smith thing first. Um, so he's a guy where the 2022, I don't think, was as good as the year before, which is always that thing of what do you do with that? It's a little bit, I don't, I never like when a guy goes backwards at any point. It's just, I don't ever quite know what to do with that. There was a role change. Yes. Because he, he got moved to the slot. He and also, it was, it, you know, it was a little ugly at times. There. He also had a ton of penalties this year, but I don't think it was actually, when you watch him play, I don't think this was. Uh, the inevitability of playing like hyper aggressively and like too grabby and something that was inevitable. I think he just caught a bad run of sometimes you're going to get 10 penalties in a year. And when you do, your production is going to be bad for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't actually think that's inherent in his play. Uh, I think he just had a, a bad year. But he's patient in zone and off coverage. I think he sits in space, understands when to react to things, whether it's man or zone coverage. He's got that prototypical size, length. He got put on some brutal matchups in that slot. Again, yes. Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, played. They had him, I don't know what the plan was, because they had him playing egregiously far off, Jalen Hyatt. But he actually did a pretty good job of keeping everything in front of him, uh, like keeping 
contain of him generally. Lost at the catch point once for a touchdown in the red zone, but he was close. Um, that was one of Jalen Hyatt's best pure plays. Yeah, yeah. Slot fade. But he's got uh, a ton of length. Like, he can influence throwing windows and get in the way. I doesn't always drive on things, but when he's – Steve Smith, I think, had this comment when he had a video on him that um, when he sees something, that he flies towards it like pretty much nobody else, maybe Witherspoon. Steve's breaking class. down the corners, too. I only saw one video yeah. from him, but it was it he, was Cam Smith. He called me the other day, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, did you ever get back to him? Well, I'm trying to interpret what he texted me. And uh, as I think back, <laughs> did you criticize him? Am I going to take some heat because you criticized Steve oh, Smith? yeah, yeah. I said, uh, I said it feels like a lot of his videos, he's always seen the best in receivers. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah. That's great. So we've been playing a little phone tag here. He doesn't have my number. Yeah, he doesn't have your number, <laughs> so it's going to come down on me. Well, that's perfect. That you, you know, yeah. could you say something positive about Steve? Oh, I love, I love watching his videos. I went through a bunch of them today because I was curious who he'd been through. Um, yeah. He's big on Tank Dell, so I retweeted that one, you know, because nice. I'm big good. on Tank Dell. Uh, I love his videos. I, I I love Steve Smith. The dude's awesome. Thanks. I will pass along your number if there's any criticism. No, no, no. I, we're, we're still in the middle of phone tag. I'm going to call him later today. My number's unlisted. And as I rethought it, you know, we, we mentioned his name, <laughs> and you may have been a little on the negative side, and uh, I just don't want to, you know, have to clean up your mess. No, you, you're, the, you're the front guy. You're the muscle, you know? There's no point in being three, pushing three bills if you're not going to take the heat, you know? It's much. It's a much more uh, size-wise even fight for me and Steve. So I don't. I don't want that to happen. Even even fight size-wise. Size. Yeah. yeah. I'll also let him know you said that <laughs> as well. So uh, anyway, he likes Cam Smith. That's what you were saying. Uh, he liked that he liked part that of play, it. Yeah. So he 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 was very complimentary of his ability. Once he sees something, he click goes. and close. Boy, yeah, oh, boy, and I think that's one hundred percent true. His his closing speed burst and all that stuff. I love it a lot. And I, I don't like the, the I don't want him playing in the slot at the next level, which is where he spent a lot of the time this year. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I put Cam Smith at seven. So we're similar. Okay. There as well. I liked him. I think he's a completely different player from the guy on the other side at South Carolina. Yeah. Darius Rush. Um, so let's get your top seven back up there again if we can so then we get to our christian gonzalez conversation um well i get it i didn't reveal my my six so you've got devin witherspoon from illinois joey porter jr from penn state brian branch from alabama who's really a safety deontay banks from maryland cam smith from south carolina emmanuel forbes from mississippi state christian gonzalez from oregon all right we can finish your christian gonzalez discussion and then we'll circle back and get my six and we'll show my list why do you have christian gonzalez at number seven. So we already covered the, the good part of Christian Gonzalez. Like, just absurdly smooth. Mirrors, glides, everything he does looks effortless. The movement skills look amazing. He looks on the field the way he looked during the combine, whether it was running his 40 or doing the position drills. There's nobody in this class that looks as easy just moving around and, and sticking with receivers as he does. However, almost everything else isn't good. Like, he's the, – the, the Witherspoon thing where he's a step ahead of everything, like he, re, he knows what's coming a step before everybody else does, right? Whether it's on his own defense, whether it's the offense, he's always a step ahead. Gonzalez is late almost all the time. He's the opposite end of the spectrum. He's almost always a step behind everything that's happening. Um, so he's got, like, a reasonable feel for zones and splitting threats and all that kind of stuff, but he's late. 
doing anything about it. He's, again, the opposite problem that Joey Porter had, where he's like too early and jumps when he shouldn't. Gonzalez just doesn't react until it's too late. So he's like splitting perfectly these two spots and then just like watches the ball sail to one of them without moving. You're like, well, that's useless to me. Um, I don't think he's anywhere near as physical as a lot of these other guys as well, like across the board. I just, his movement skills are amazing. The athletic profile is going to make teams drool, but I actually think he's quite a big project. Yeah, I mean, I, I put Gonzalez high. Um, I, I want to say this about the same way we did about receivers. Scheme's going to matter, right? We say this every year. Receivers and corners, scheme is going to matter, the way these guys are used. Mm-hmm. I posed the question in my notes, is Christian Gonzalez just a press man corner? And even then, do you have concerns at the way he plays the catch point? My comparison for that was Marlon Humphrey. Remember Marlon Humphrey coming out of Alabama? We would say, where's the ball production? Why isn't he breaking passes up? Yeah. He's always at the catch point, though. And the 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 – the pass breakups showed up eventually, but he was all, Marlon Humphrey was always the catch point. So I talked myself into that part there's for Gonzalez. So, I don't love him as a zone player, though, which is fair and a huge part of what corners need to do. And there's so many plays where he's at the catch point and the ball gets through anyway. And you're like, why, why are you not stopping these? You're right there, and you're bigger than they are. Why are you not stopping these getting through? Yeah, the catch point seems to be a big... So there'll be a guy that you hate that I kind of like because, because he's at least physical at the catch point later. He, There's a lot of guys in this class who are either going to get out-muscled at the catch point or just aren't great there. And I, I, and I feel like that's where a lot of the size stuff is showing up or just, in Gonzalez's case, to your point, maybe not great at it. Devin Witherspoon um, allowed a passer rating into his coverage this year of 25, right? So an NFL passer rating. The average NFL passer rating at this point is 90-something. He allowed a passer rating into his coverage of 25, which is absurd. The, the passer rating of an incomplete pass is 39.6. The best number that Gonzalez ever allowed in college was 75 this year, and it took him four interceptions to get to 75. Like the previous two years, he didn't have any interceptions. So if you took away like the catches this year, <laughs> the passer rating still would have been sky high. Like he's, he's not actually very good at stopping the opposing receiver catching the football which is like literally the job description. He'll get better at it. Oh, he's okay. at the catch point. He's at the catch point, Christian Gonzalez. Well, now that you've assured me of that, everything changes. So you're much lower on Christian Gonzalez. So that's uh, so we've seen your top seven. Um, just to go, let's if we can get my my list on the board. The only guy that we haven't revealed in my list is number six, and uh, I'm going to go off the rails here. Oh, this is Darius Rush. Oh, from South Carolina, followed by Cam Smith from South Carolina. This is where I've decided to you actually be... You got swayed by Jim Nagy. No, this was before. He was at six before talking to Jim yesterday. I had already created this list. Um, I'm, you know, the same excuse I'll make for Christian Gonzalez. This depends on scheme. It absolutely depends on scheme for Cam Smith. I think he's the best press man corner in this draft. I think Cam Smith, if, if you're putting him into a pure press man system... Better than Joey Porter. Darius Rush. I'm sorry. Oh. Darius Rush, dude. Sorry. I'm going to keep mess- messing up their names because I just clicked on uh, Cam Smith's uh, my Trello card here. But better than Joey Porter as a press man. Sorry, he's right there behind Joey Porter. Okay. Sorry. The best, like, second-tier press man corner. Second best, you might say. Might, might say second best. <laughs> I love Darius Rush okay. from South Carolina. There are some really bad, ugly plays yeah. on Darius Rush's tape. <laughs> yeah. There are some plays yeah, where are. you probably rank him at 15th overall or something, right? Because there are some ugly plays. But his... Uh, his ability at the line of scrimmage, 
straight line speed, his ability to close, press and run skills. I love all of it. it there is. are some really ugly change of direction plays yeah. coming out of his back pedal. So my big caveat here is system, fit, and all that stuff. But I've decided to just put a bold stance out there and have him at number six and ahead of his teammate, Cam Smith. I'm going – I'm in on Darius Rush here. I will say what – Jim Nagy was talking about, like he was so sticky during the one-on-ones at the Senior Bowl. Um, had a really nice play against Jonathan Mingo where he read it perfectly, broke on the out route ahead of Mingo. One really bad play where he just bit on a double move and got completely eviscerated. Um, but everything else like was lockstep coverage. So I've got some numbers here too to, to back me up. Okay. Um, but I'm also going to contradict myself. Perfect. So... College press coverage stats, yes, right, grades, are not the most predictive at the next level. They're not great. Um, and all of the players who grade well in press coverage are players that you're lower on based <laughs> off of our conversations. And all players that uh, my numbers seem to really, really like. Uh-huh. But Darius Rush has the second best press coverage grade of any Power 5 corner in this draft class. Behind only DJ Turner from Michigan who I also like. So I'm banking on not only – so that matched – we talked about where do you use the numbers. That matched my eyes, right? That's where he wins. He won there at the Senior Bowl. He had one of the best and worst back-to-back reps I've ever seen at the, uh, at the Senior Bowl. I sent you the good one where he runs the route in off coverage, which is his weakness. Domingo one. Against Mingo. Yeah. He runs the route and breaks on the ball. He right. runs the comeback route. And if you watch, his footwork is – in lockstep with the with the receiver, yeah, right, and he breaks on it and picks it off. The next play, it's like a bad double move. The next play was the yeah it, the double move thing. The the worst route you're or the worst play you're ever going to see was right after the best one, yeah. one of the best ones. I mean, he probably he, he thought he had safety help. He had safety <laughs> help. It was one on one, but he was one-on-one playing for drill. safety help. Yeah. So it was as bad as it gets. Great play by Cam, uh, by Darius Rush, and then a bad play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm purposely ignoring the bad, uh, but. My numbers like him, press coverage numbers like him. Skill-wise, he's fast, he's long, and I think he's a good press man corner. And so if you're playing that scheme, I would bump him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Ran fl- uh, What did he run? There it is. Got to get his done. Did he not run? His game speed was good. Oh, yeah, 4.36. Ran 4.36 with almost 34-inch arms. So all that stuff's going to add up to – some teams are going to have Darius Rush really high on their boards. Others are, are not. That's what I that's what I believe. Yeah. I so I put that. him at six. I, I think so. We've reached the point, by the way, where this group gets very close together for me. It's a lot like the wide receiver class where remember when you reach the, the ass end of the top 10 and all of a sudden you're like the next 15 players are kind of interchangeable. I feel like this is where we are with the corner group as well. Like we're in this world now where – right here is where I really struggle to rank these sort of four or five guys but even the next 10 I think are very close together before it starts to drop off all right we're at number eight we'll go a little bit quicker through the rest of the group here I think but um who's your number eight corner I agree I put a little cut off here mm-hmm. this is where I've just said next tier who's next so this is where I'm really high on a guy relative to everybody else this is Terrell Smith from Minnesota oh geez who I, you went look, this high with Terrell Smith? He's so good. <laughs> Explain to me why he isn't ranked higher by everybody else. Why? I don't understand it. He uh, he's I, six I foot. Explained it to you. He's six foot and two hundred and four pounds, right? And he looks bigger than that. Like I don't I don't understand 
how he looks as big as he is because he's not huge, but he looks massive. He's so good vertical. Like he might be an elite cover three type of corner where you're just taking the deep third off. You're removing any vertical threat from your side. Keeps things in front of him really well. Like doesn't get beat over the top. Comes downhill quickly, aggressively, decisively, efficient. Um, he's another guy that understands zones, understands route combinations, where to be, how to do, how to squeeze the throws, how to move in the right direction to make that as challenging as possible for the quarterback. I The only thing I don't understand is his career, the rest of it. Last year was amazing. He looks he looks like he belongs in this group of the top corners. Every other year of his career, he was either ass or benched or ass and benched. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's why. That's why he's not talked about. Did uh, Lance Erline have him at five on his ranking? Did he put him that high? I, th- I thought you told me that. I might have done, but I think I could have been being hyperbolic. Um, he had him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, so he's um, he's one of those guys, if, if you're bringing up, hey, Terrell Smith, what do, you, what do you think of him? And we're in a draft room. I would say, I, I mean, I agree with a lot of what I saw on film. I mean, here's right? the thing. From if this I, last year, he right. looks really if good. If I showed you only last year's tape and you had no other information whatsoever, you would say that guy's a top 10 corner, correct? Um, I think so, yeah. There you go. See, that's all I'm looking for. That's all you're looking for. Now I'll just tell you what the numbers say and why I didn't no, rank no, no, him. No, sometimes I trust the numbers. Don't want to hear the numbers. Because the numbers take in the entire career no. where he was actually well below average <laughs> for four years and then broke out as a year five player at Minnesota. So bad. Terrell Smith. Um, 16th percentile yeah. in my model, I, I, and which is fine. My model's not perfect, but I will just tell you the historical precedent for, six, uh, for players under the 20th percentile mm-hmm. becoming a solid or better player, 4.5%. Yeah. Um, average or better, there's three players out of about 40-something. So you've got J.C. Jackson from okay. Maryland. All right. Who was— one of the biggest misses. In, there's not a number that says J.C. Jackson should have been great. Right. And we also might have the data point that that's only because he was playing in New England. It was perfect fit for Belichick. Who knows? Yeah. There's not a number that says J.C. Jackson, in my numbers, that he should have been good. Workouts, production, nothing. Um, the other solid player is Teron Johnson out of Weber State. He's a slot for the Bills. And then the average, that you know, the other player you could say is Rashad Fenton from South Carolina has become a pretty good player based off our numbers. Mm-hmm. No one else has. So, again, not saying this can't happen. I'm just saying I, this is one of those where my eyes are saying, yeah, he looks pretty good. And then the data is saying, boy, this is a, I, this is a no-go. I, the, the historical precedent is uh, pretty strong. The one piece of, like, defense to the rest of his career, which, let's be clear, is bad. Bad. Uh, we have five years. First year, the coverage grade was 69. Then it went 54, 47, 45. But the three years of truly terrible play were, what, 400 and, like, almost 500 snaps combined. So 500 snaps across three years. He, it's more accurate to say he didn't really play than he played a lot and was terrible. The first year was his freshman season, which that's a pretty good freshman performance. 69 grade, uh, eight pass breakups. Like, those, that's a decent performance for a freshman. And then the fifth year was great. And he ran a 4-4, and he's got prototypical size. So if you just cross out the stuff in the middle, you yeah. know, if you, the Baker Mayfield thing, if we throw them out, throw them out, throw out those three years in the middle, 19, 20, and 21, if we Con- say they didn't happen. Context matters. Look, context matters, right? But I think context matters, as does just 
throw the data in and historical precedent. So, I mean, I don't care. People are criticizing your list for some reason, Sam. I have to say, I, I really respect your eyes when it comes to cornerbacks. I think you have a pretty good history track record. You almost kind of played that position as a IAFL second mm. team all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I respect your opinion on that stuff, but that's what's fun especially with cornerback rankings. And also, I don't appear to be completely out on an island because, as we no, said, other people Lance, Lance Zerline has him number nine, just behind Emmanuel Forbes, which is two spots away from where I have him. So, like, that part matches. I, look, honestly, my point being, look, it's all about how much you weight certain things, right? And I freely acknowledge that the middle of his career is concerning, and I don't have a great explanation for why that happened. But my sales pitch for Terrell Smith is the one I gave you, which is if you looked at just his last year and I gave you this dude's measurables, you would say that guy's a top 10 corner. And my argument would be, okay, on the one hand, we have this dude who's got really good play last year, elite measurables, uh, but the middle of his career is bad, right? On the other hand, we've got a dude who's got elite measurables, never really had a great season, but he's got really great movement skills and athleticism. which is the bigger red flag? Because right now, nobody is focusing on this red flag, which is Christian Gonzalez not actually being great at playing corner, but being a great athlete. Whereas everyone presumably is focusing on this red flag, which is why was the middle of his career ass. Yeah. I, I mean, would argue this that... This is why I think you can... I mean, if you're in draft rooms or whatever, you can manipulate numbers any way you right. want, right? Because I could present the argument that the profile of Christian Gonzalez is far better than Terrell Smith. The overall profile, including workouts, all of it. I could present that information to you presents a lot of information anyway you want to you want to <laughs> slice and dice it so that's what makes it fun all right my number eight player that you're going to be lower on so this is my this might be my model this is where i kind of relied on the numbers here i would say this might be model time for me eight through 12 eight Modified. through 11 dj turner from michigan by the way just to put a bow on that the christian gonzalez is a better athlete than um terrell smith it's not by much like when you look at the relative athletic score stuff, it's nine something, nine nine five, admittedly. For you're looking Gonzalez at that stuff versus eight point six. Like they are similar size. Uh, Terrell Smith is an inch shorter, but he's ten pounds heavier. Uh, Four three seven. Bench is exactly the same. Forty yard dash is the same, effectively. Let me just tell you why that doesn't. So look, my combine numbers. The only difference is that the, aren't is, my combine numbers that are not whatever. Fine, finish your thought. The only difference is effectively the vertical, the, the jumps, yeah. where he's where Christian Gonzalez is more explosive. And this is where I differ from using an athleticism score, because all that's telling you is in a vacuum, is this guy a good athlete? My numbers are projecting these numbers to actual on-field production and weighing what matters. And I've got Terrell Smith as a 52nd percentile. But that's because you're guy. taking into and account... Gonzalez, a 90th percentile. But what happens guy. if you strip out the three years of crap in the middle? I, I'm, no, I'm just talking combine. I'm just talking workout stuff. So you're looking at this workout that you think looks similar. Yeah. And I'm going to add a shuttle and this to Gonzalez. And it's the same thing, right? I'm going to add... Let me just add because he's missing a couple, yeah. couple workouts here. I'm going to give... Pretty him, important ones. I'm going to give him Terrell Smith's workouts and okay. just see yeah. if this can re- recalculate. It's still far better, 80, 83rd percentile. So I added Terrell Smith's change of direction numbers. It dropped Gonzalez's combine projection. Yeah. But it's still far better than 
Terrell Smith. So that's why I'm saying don't, if you just look at an athleticism score well, in a vacuum, I don't think it's telling the whole story. It's not properly projecting to actual production. So all that's saying is that your projection is massively weighted on explosive jumps. Well, Terrell Smith has a below average shuttle, right? So when I, I just, just gave, gave that, him that, I gave right. Christian Gonzalez that shuttle just for right. perspective. But it's essentially saying that. And Cone, the, they're the both difference. average to below average. Yeah. So I made Gonzalez's numbers look worse. Right. And they're still much better than But Charles what it's Smith. saying is that that difference is entirely down to the vertical and the broad. Yeah, so Gonzalez is is good in the right areas that project to, project, to production, is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. So don't look at RAS. Look at my stuff. If I give it to you, you're afraid. You're afraid to open my spreadsheet. I couldn't open your spreadsheet. My laptop you should, would implode. You should jack up your uh, computer memory. All right, let's, get, let's do like chunks of players here. Yeah. DJ Turner is eight for me. Okay. For Michigan. How low do you have my guy DJ Turner? Where, uh, Terrell Smith was eight. Is that right? I should put numbers on He's these. So eight. I'm not trying to. Yeah. Uh, nine, 10, uh, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 for my, my but guy. But again, DJ like, Turner? this is a tight group. Oh, it's like, a tight I'm group. Not, yeah, I don't yeah. hate him. I don't like him as much as you do, but this is, this is tight. Also, I have slot. Do you, have you ranked slots at all? No, I just kind of threw him in here because okay, I have so, uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson as right. my nine. So two of your – okay, so two of my spots between here and Turner are slot players. Okay. So, yeah, I just threw them in all into the mix here. Um, let's go through a couple at a time here. Okay. And uh, you could tear it. I, I went model model heavy on the next couple. I'll give you my 8 through 12, 8 through 11. Okay. DJ Turner from Michigan. Yeah. Travis Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. Uh-huh. Makai Garner from Ooh. LSU. The guy you hate. Uh. And Makai Blackman. Oh. From USC. Okay. Um, now, the data is strong on all of them. Garner and Blackman both transferred. Garner was at Louisiana. He's got one year at LSU. Blackman was at Colorado. He's got one year at USC. All productive players. All worked out pretty well. Hodges Tomlinson, I think, projects as a slot. Yeah. Even though he played almost exclusively outside. Right. You might want to. Kind of weird. Yeah, it, but he's like he's a dog against the run and all that stuff. Like he has slot. all the slot traits. So I just kind of threw him in the mix here. And then DJ Turner, he ran four two six, has some really good plays on the ball, dropped a bunch of interceptions, but production wise has been solid. Turner's also one of those guys. Now all four of those guys, except maybe Hodges Tomlinson, didn't love the tape. I didn't go and say love these guys. Backs up my numbers, but I'm kind of like trusting the numbers in my rankings here. I like them enough. But I could see the flaws. Your, your guy, uh, Anthony Tresh upstairs, says, I think I heard him say yesterday that Travius Hodges Tomlinson is planning on being known as Trey Tomlinson at the next level, which from a personal Trey convenience yeah. level would be huge. It would be great if he would do that. That yeah. would be outstanding. The Trey- TCU defense had a guy named Hodges, I think a guy named Hodge, and then Hodges Tomlinson yeah. all on the same. Uh, Just from a... From a rolls-off-the-tongue point of view, Trey Tomlinson, so much better than Travius Hodges Tomlinson. I like that, yeah. If he so, could make that switch as fast as humanly possible, I'd I'm be in all, on that. all for that. Trey, I, Trey Hodges Tomlinson. I do find it fascinating that like these guys who you know without having seen them, essentially, are, oh, this is your slot guy. And then you watch the tape. You're like, Where is he? Why is he not in the slot at any point? Yeah, so <laughs> like Tomlinson... He's another guy. He's going to struggle at the catch point against bigger receivers, which is yeah. why I think he has to play in the slot. But he moves so well. He does. Jason Verrett was a similar, was a little bit bigger. And probably, like how many real small corners have played outside? Jason Verrett. How many? Uh, Pac-Man Jones. Uh, Darius Williams. Williams, right? 
So there's not many. There's there's definitely times when I look Ooh, at uh, Tomlinson. The the really tiny guy from Atlanta years ago. What was uh, Alford? No. Robert Alford? No, no, no. Um, damn it. He was like the poster child for small outside corners for a while. I don't know. Give me a minute. I'm going to need to find that. You, speaking of Atlanta, did you see how uh, D'Angelo Hall ran a 4-1-5? What? Back in 2004. I sent you that picture. I was watching the 04 draft, and it said when D'Angelo Hall got drafted, the note at the bottom said ran a 4-1-5 at his pro day. Brent Grimes. Brent Grimes. Oh, yeah, of course, Grimes. Small corner. Oh, his wife's going to be so mad at you. He's small. Don't we? You forgot his name. She's oh, gonna okay. Mad. She's going to yeah. tweet at you. Mad. I forgot her name as well. What's her name? Mina Grimes? Min- Minka? Min- I don't know. I don't know. She used to attack everybody. It's fun. <laughs> anyway, um, there's definitely times I watch uh, Trey Tomlinson and think maybe he could play on the outside. And then there's a, because of his speed, off coverage ability, and all that stuff. But then, man, it's going to be real tough with uh, with with bigger receivers. But mm-hmm. I love him in the slot. Uh, what don't you love, my guy DJ Turner? You didn't love him. Um, I think his speed. I don't think it's it, it's funny because he's faster by a tenth of a second than um, Deontay Banks yeah. from Maryland. I don't think it shows up no. as much, right? Like Banks just moves so fluidly. So I admit it doesn't show up as much for Turner. Um, but he is a very good athlete. I, I think he's just a good all-around player that I would take a shot on. Yeah, he reminded me a bit of like a poor man's Trent McDuffie, you know, from last year. He yeah. was, again, a smaller outside corner, but was always really, really good. Like, he's he obviously offsets the size. DJ Turner struck me at times as like just another guy. Decent movement skills. He struggled to stop receivers, kind of leaning on him and then breaking away from him a lot. That happened quite a bit. Um, I wrote that he had a touch of the wide receiver chaperone about him. Uh, I forget who the guy was. Kyle was it Kyle, Kyle Wilson, Wilson from the Jets years ago. That was like his thing. Didn't we use that for Steven Nelson as well? Maybe, yeah. But that I felt a little bit uh, about like that about DJ Turner. I again, I don't dislike the guy. I just didn't love him. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the other guys on my list, Makai Garner was uh, really productive at Louisiana. You were sending me your notes on him that you think he's terrible. Um, I like that Garner. Like I get again, I get the I get the negatives. I think he's physical at the catch point, and I, I'm not seeing that a ton. I think he's got good play strength, uses his hands throughout the route. Mm. It's a fine line. I have a type. I have a history. <laughs> I might have a history of overrating. The this super is, grabby guys. This is LSU grabby Peters. It might be. I could be completely wrong here. Um, but it's another one like athletic. He, uh, Makai Gardner tested well. He was fine as a tester. But I don't think it shows up on film. Change of direction, acceleration. It's not great, any of that stuff. He's another guy that graded well in press. Like all the guys that graded well in press, Sam. Uh, Darius Rush, DJ Turner, Makai Garner, and uh, Makai Blackman. They all did, mm. and uh, they seem to be the guys that I like the most. So I'm going out on a limb here saying my numbers like him. I like him enough on tape. This is my, my model time here, having him at 10. I'd, I'd be very surprised if he ends up being a good NFL player. Cool. That's, that's the one you have that I'm most far away from. I can't get behind that one at all. The rest of them make sense to me. Uh, where are we in my list? Um, you've you've gone through your top eight. You can give me your like nine through so, eleven or whatever. Clark Phillips, Utah slot. I think yep. he's the best pure slot. Whatever we're calling Brian Branch, but Phillips is the best pure slot in this this draft to me. So twitchy and quick off his feet, like stops on a dime. Just like absolutely prototypical slot corner. 
Um, Hodges Tomlinson, I think, is pretty close to him. I have him two spots lower, so number 11. Number 10, I have uh, Mackay Blackman. He He's my corner crush this year. I oh, love that dude. I didn't even know you were going to watch him. I love that guy. There, there are, by the way, just for perspective for everybody here, there are 19 corners in the top 100 on the consensus board. So it's uh, maybe it's the way evaluators just rank corners or the fact that there's so many of them, but – about one-fifth of the consensus board is corners. So it, it, the guys are going to be all over the place. So you're actually a touch higher on Makai Blackman than me. And he's one of my one of my dudes in the model. Yeah, I love this guy. Um, he's really small. <laughs> he looks really slight. Michael yes. Wilson from Stanford, who was what, 6'2", 215, something like that? Yeah. Michael Wilson made him look like a child when he was lining up next to him. But he's got that, he's feisty. He will fight to the death with these wide receivers that are bigger than him. Um, he has, he has a pass, he had a pass breakup that turned into an interception in the end zone against Stanford when they still run that thing. Remember when they had um, uh, JJ Arthaka Whiteside and he used to just straight post up in the end zone like it was a basketball move. Yeah, they still do that. They had these two guys who literally both went and posted up. And so this giant of a receiver is straight up posting against Blackman, who somehow fights his way like over the giant frame of this dude to break it up. And then the, it ends up being an interception as well. Um, I, I think he's got a lot of ability despite being that size. Like challenges really well at the catch point for a dude that size. Maybe he ends up getting kicked inside to play slot just because of his size. I think he'd be good there. He's got enough movement skills and you know quick twitch to do that but he doesn't do a lot badly oh, 511 178 i hate that i'm all in on such guys that either not not so much just their pure weight but play strength doesn't always yeah. show up right blackman does lose at the top of the route um but he is at, you you said feisty i said tenacious at the catch point he's in he can track the ball yeah right he has some of the most spectacular interceptions i think in this class he's got good hands uh, gets his hands on early in press coverage. I mentioned the press coverage grade for Blackman. For a guy that's slight, he's good at that particular part of his game. And I, I do love the way he tracks it. He, just, he does feel small. He's got to play. The um, there's a few different sort of specific plays that you see people make that you love. Like remember the, 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 the deep over against in cover three for linebackers. If they can find that, track it, and actually do anything about it, it's insane. Rarely happens. Um, one of the plays that I love from corners that they almost never make, but when they do, I'm sold almost immediately. He had a play against UCLA where he splits two verticals in cover three and then drives on the inside seam and breaks it up. Yes. Like nobody ever makes that play. It I love that happen. so much, right? I mean, th those are the ones when we would be grading in coverage. It's like, man, this poor guy, they asked him, they didn't ask him to match a lot of team, you know, match yeah. the seam. They had to split the seam, and it's like you, it's really tough to do when you do see that play. It's you awesome. literally have to cover two guys at the same time running vertical, and it's almost immediate death from a corner point of view. It's, it's virtually impossible. So he, like, splits the two of them, sees they're going to the seam, drove on it laterally, and broke it up. Like, just an amazing made, play. Somebody made my favorite play. I can't remember who it was. The uh, i got to find it. One of the corners made that replace uh, replace the free safety yes. on the post play. I have that in my notes somewhere as well. Yeah, that's I my favorite. That might be my favorite play in football. Move him up, whoever it was. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, um, that was Garrett uh, Williams. Garrett Will, yeah. I was like, put him at safety. Other than the fact that he's not physical <laughs> and can't tackle, put Garrett Williams at safety because that was 
I, I love that play. Yeah. So, so the only, my, not the only negative, but one thing about Blackman around a four four seven, I would have loved to see that four four flat. Yeah. Like if you're going to be that undersized, come on, give me give me just a little bit to work with from speed point of view. Um, Hodges Tomlinson, Trey Tomlinson. Uh, I had one spot after that. Uh, where does that put me up to? Eleven. And then Keely Ringo was number. The 12. people are asking about Keely Ringo. He's my number twelve. Um, depending on, I, I did change my list on Tyler, so I don't know if he made this prior to. You changed like, your list just on. at the last second. Yeah, not even the last second. Of course, he might have had enough time. It was this morning. Um, I had Ringo at thirteen on one of my lists and twelve on the other, so I slotted Perfect. somebody in. What? What? The people are asking about Ringo. He was a guy. I was like, man, why? When Renner started dropping him on the draft board, the guy's huge, runs four three. I was I hadn't watched Ringo closely enough. I'm like, man, why is he dropping? And then I watched him, and I get it. So, what'd you see from Keely Ringo, and why is a guy that's so big and fast this much lower on our boards? I just think he's wildly inconsistent. Um, the good stuff is amazing. Like he's when he's on, he's really good. He's got the prototypical size, everything you want. Uh, Cedric Tillman worked him when they played Tennessee, except for one. Ringo had one really nice rep on a go ball where yep. he shattered him to the sideline, broke a, got an interception, saved the game, basically. But other than that, Tillman worked him over during that game. Uh, I just – I feel there's a few things that I think he's generally not good at, and then everything else he's just madly inconsistent about. I don't think he's very good when he's got eyes on the quarterback in zone and he's trying to, like, juggle – the play as it's happening you know what i mean it's yeah. it's a weirdly difficult thing to do like this this is why it frustrates me so much when people talk about you know zone coverage isn't real coverage it's kind of cheating it's not the same it's not as hard as man coverage it's a very different skill set like when you have your eyes on this guy over here but in your periphery you have to bear in mind there's a route coming in behind you here there's a dude running you know up vertically behind you here and you have to settle into the right spot being aware of where those guys are going if they're adjusting and where everything else is around you whilst focusing on where the hell the quarterback is trying to go with the ball. It's really hard to do. And he's not good at it. Like he feels like he gets kind of lost and distracted by the, like the stuff behind him disappears when he's got his eyes on the quarterback. Um, I got weird Cyrus Jones vibes about him. Do you remember him from Alabama? I, I don't remember Patriots? enough about Cyrus. I have a comp though for Went Keely to the Patriots and stank. Uh, yeah. So that's not great. I also felt like everything he does almost felt like it was run at like 90% speed. It was like he wasn't ever going 100%, sort of taking a bit off the end of it. I also wrote, I think I told you this, but didn't write it down in my notes. He, so when he comes up to tackle people, he like breaks down really well. And then it's like the controller dies and he just kind of topples over. <laughs> he doesn't tackle them. I don't, oh, but it's like, you know, a lot of harsh. people you see, they do that. They miss these tackles because they come and they fly out of control and they don't break down and they just like lunge, lunge at a dude, yeah. right? He does everything right. And then it's like, once he's broken down, it just like the, the stops, like the, the inputs have stopped coming and he just, just like keels over at their feet. All right. So I got some, I have some thoughts and some data, right? 6'2", 207, runs a 4.34. Can you look up his uh, relative athleticism? Relative athleticism? Score, athletic can. score, yes. RAS, four three six, right? So why is a guy that runs four three six at six two? Why is he lower? Um, he reminded me a little of Trey Wayne's, or at least our thoughts on Trey Wayne's coming out, mm. which was straight line speed is unbelievable, vertical route tree, he can handle that pretty well. 
he does work downhill pretty well. But I wrote down uh, change of direction is a chore. Yes, basically, which, right? Any kind of change of direction, which shows up in a seven point two one three cone time. So his three cone time atrocious, and his uh, his uh, all of it, the shuttle, all of it's not great. Yeah, he's not quite the Trey Reigns having a faster forty than the than the shuttle time, but he's getting there. Three, right, that was our joke, right? Trey Wayne's straight line forty was faster than his shuttle. Yeah, when it should like your shuttle should. There was like five guys in history where that right. had been. So he's case. a tenth of a second faster in the shuttle than the 40. But it's, it's close. But it's getting there. And yeah. that shows up on the field. And I thought it takes time for him to just start and stop. Yep. So any sort of uh, stop route, hitch, comeback, all that stuff is difficult for, for Ringo. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the good stuff is good. Like his range and cover two. Like the, Again, anything straight line is he spectacular. Gets, he gets very flat-footed and can't, like, can't twitch and explode yeah. in somewhere in a new direction. So what does the, what's the RAS say for him? Is it high uh, or is it mediocre? It's high, but it's all based off the 40 time, essentially. Yeah. So and that's, the size. Where, that's where I'm telling you my, my combine number. And it's not even hot. Like, it's lower than Terrell Smith, say. Is it a 7 or something? It's an 8-2-4. So it's, it's an 8-2-4, which it's going to pop. Like, but that's going to you're, – you're going to look at that. It's going to pop, and you're going to say, good enough, good athlete. But his is very weird in that it's like it's, – so it's either great, which is 6-2-2-0-7, 10-yard split. Everything else is bad. Yes. And so I'm going to tell you my numbers, my workout numbers have him 31st percentile when it comes to projecting that, those, uh, those workout numbers to production because the vertical is also weird, 33 and a half below average. The shuttle's bad and the cone's really bad, right? So the things that tend to project to production, including arm length and all this, like none of that is actually all that good for Ringo. Um, and then the, the actual on-field production is, is okay and not great. So... I think that's what um, the film soured me a little bit, the actual production and the fact that the pure straight line speed doesn't necessarily project because everything else is poor. Mm-hmm. I did look up all the corners who are 6'2 or higher, 6'2 or taller, and ran sub 4'4 historically. Dominic Rogers cromarty is the most successful one. Okay. Tariq Woolen, probably second most successful, but everything else that he did was awesome workout-wise too. Yep. Uh, Antonio Cromarty was good, but he was better ath- athletic. There's not a lot of other success stories here. Greedy Williams... Nico Thorpe, Chris Westry, Rashad Robinson, remember him? Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot on the list of uh, successful corners. All right. So let me give you my final three that gets us to 15, right? Uh, Keely Ringo was number 12. Julius Brents from Kansas State was number 13. DJ Turner, your guy from uh, Michigan, number 14. And then Darius Rush, 15. Hey, put all my guys a little bit lower. Yeah. Turner and Rush. Uh-huh. But they're uh, on there. They're on let's, the list. Let's talk about Julius Brents. I okay. had him. Where'd I end up putting him? I had him either 14th or 15th, depending on which list Tyler got and put into the system. <laughs> well, Julius let's, Brents. Let's wrap up your list. Um, yeah, we'll go to my list. Tyler, who do you have at 12 for me? <laughs> is it, is it Tyreek Stevenson? It is Ringo. Okay, so this is before I, I, sl- I slipped Tyreek Stevenson in. Yeah. I put him in there. So I got Ringo, uh, Clark Phillips. Yep. And then... Brents, there you go. He let him Julius do Brents. Let him do it for you. Eli Ricks. There All right. Go. I meant to put Tyreek Stevenson in a little bit higher. You were so mad about Tyreek Stevenson. You hated him. Didn't like him. Um, I wanted to put him around Ringo, but I put it in too late. So Did, I got Ringo. We just talked about him. Didn't you mention Clark Phillips as a slot. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Julius Brents. I had him at yep. 14. He's. Uh, we talked to Jim Nagy yesterday about him. The length, the change of direction, all of the 
measurables are in t- almost Tariq Woolen, never-before-seen territory mm. uh, for Julius Brents, but the on-field production not as good. What would you see from Brents from Kansas State? I mean, if he's not getting drafted by the Seahawks, what are we even doing here? Like, he has to be drafted and put opposite Tariq Woolen. Oh, it has to happen. That is the only team that wants to put that guy there. Just make it happen now. Why are we even waiting for the draft? Just put him there. Be done with it. Um, he's like the he's exactly the prototype for that. He's huge. He's absurdly large. And he moves pretty well for it as well. Um, I think he's got a pretty decent feel for zone. Like he's he's the prototypical cover three type of corner. He really is. Yeah. There's uh like I said, there's not a lot of comps there. I thought he it's funny, as I was watching Julius Brents. I became a little bit higher on Quentin Johnston from TCU. Only because he just ran by him a couple of times. Yeah, but he beat him on slants. Like, he did it on a lot of stuff. I think it was uh, Marvin Mims as well, ran right past him. Like, if he doesn't get hands on the guy at the line, he can be... I don't think that was... I don't think that Mims play was against him. I hope. I don't think it was. I mean, there might have been another play, but Mims had... We were talking Mims online yesterday. There was... Some, some wide-open touchdowns for Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, who I like a lot. Um, I, yeah, Brents, I mean, look, if you – find my notes on Tariq Woolen from last year. There's not a lot of positives as far as the actual football playing. Yeah, Tariq Woolen was a project former wide receiver. I think Julius Brents, he had ugly press reps against Quentin Johnston. I don't think his eyes in zone are all that great. Transitions at the top of any sort of in or outbreaker, it's not great. Then there's other times he just feels bigger than the receiver by a lot. And he could play the vertical route tree well. And again, if you look at what Tariq Woolen, fifth round pick last year out of uh, UTSA, what he did uh, last year, it was like, hey, just take away the deep ball. Take away the deep ball um, and just be big and long. And and he had a lot of success. Woolen still, you know, he was good. He was good, not great. Um, but when you go back historically, <clears throat> who are the corners, 6'3 or taller? With arm length above 33 inches. This is just, you know, big, massive guys. Uh, back to 06, I believe this is. Sauce Gardner, last year. Uh, J. Ron Curse, if you call him a corner, he's been like that slot, right. tight end eraser type. Tariq Woolen from last year. Isaiah Simmons, if you count him as a corner, right? These are guys that became corners in name. They play in the slot. Then you have Keith McGill, Trey Walker with one snap. Simeon Thomas, Chris Westry comes up again. Trey Flowers. The corner that Seattle drafted a few years ago out of Oklahoma State, moved him from safety. And then Brian Allen, corner. Um, So there's not a lot of players, even in the data, that have done this. And then when you add in the change of direction stuff, it's only Julius Brents and Tariq Woolen. And the only difference there is Brents ran 4-5 and Woolen ran 4-2-6 or 4-2-8 or whatever it was. Um, So Brents is in that never-before-seen type of category, which for me at corner, not for other positions, but for me at corner – is like, yeah, I'll take a shot on that. I will take a shot on that because the upside truly is there and the data supports that upside's there. It's not just, hey, you worked out well, therefore there's upside. The data supports you take a shot on these types of players. Yeah, you can see, like, he's got legit lateral agility. He isn't just that kind of big, long, fast, straight line, cover three corner that struggles in space. Like, remember the way anybody that ever used to run anything, like if you put a short and shifty receiver on Brandon Browner opposite, uh, Richard Sherman, they were screwed because Browner couldn't track those guys laterally underneath. He's just too big and long and too slow. But Julius Brents is a 6'6", three cone. Like, the guy can move. He can 
he can match speedy, short, smaller receivers on underneath lateral movements in a way most guys that size can't. So there's definitely a lot to like. Like he, he really is that prototype cover three corner. I just don't know how applicable that is to a lot of other schemes. So there you go, man. That's our uh, our top 15s. You have I, I, wanted to, I wanted to put Tyreek Stevenson later. I um, You made me a little gun shy. You didn't think he was very good. The Miami really corner. Did you have any sleepers? I kind of forgot about sleepers. Uh, I did send some sleepers into Tyler if we, we have those. Who'd you have? Um, we've got Cameron Mitchell from Northwestern. Okay. Did you like him? A, did you watch him a little bit? I watched him a bit, yeah. Uh, great. Again, these are guys. two guys I pulled out of the model. And that I watched a little bit. Okay, Cameron Mitchell from Northwestern, mm-hmm. Starling Thomas the fifth, yeah, from UAB, really good athlete. Also ran sub four four, productive player. Were you surprised at the fact that somehow he's six foot tall? Yeah, did, what did, I, did I write anything? He on He looks him? tiny. There's a lot of players like I always use the Tua example. Just like Tua feels small on the football field, and I don't love seeing that. Um, yeah, he did feel kind of small. He's got pretty solid production. Good, moves well, flips his hips, everything. Like, yeah, take a shot on him. There's a lot to like wise. about him, except all the touchdowns he gives up. And then I did some one play scouting. Oh. I put Eric Scott from Southern Miss on the sleeper list <laughs> based off of um, two, two things one play scouting yeah. and the combine projection metric. Oh. Whatever we decided to put that. So okay. it's kind of two things. And then there's another guy I need to mention too. But um, Eric Scott had a play where uh, at the Shrine Bowl, you watch Zay Flowers. And Zay, I could probably post this video on online. It showed Zay Flowers' awesome change of direction, right? If you were making a, a clip of here's why we want Zay Flowers, mm-hmm. runs this in cut, and it's like, wow, he stops on a dime. But Eric Scott is the cornerback there, and he breaks up the pass. So on what I thought was one of Zay Flowers' best routes, Eric Scott from Southern Miss breaks it up. And Scott was not on my radar when I watched this. And so then I look him up, and I'm like, where's the, where's he fit into the model? Not great. Not good at all from a production standpoint until his workout. And it was a minimal workout, but we, you know, got some, his, you know, jumps were pretty good and everything, and he projects well in the model. So a little one-play scouting, little combine stuff, and I got Eric Scott as my sleeper. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any others? Any um, other players you liked or didn't like? or Yeah, guys that I would list as sleepers. I think Garrett Williams was interesting, the Syracuse corner. Uh, tore his ACL, so he doesn't actually have an awful lot of tape last year, but the tape he had is really good. I think he was on his way to a very good season. Um, he's got a, or he had a couple of things that I thought were really good. He was the guy with that cover three replace backside play on the post. There, is, there was a point. Um, this isn't. I love Mike Renner, by the way. I like Renner a lot. We joke about his Tanner McKee stuff. I love Renner stuff. There was a point in the offseason where Garrett Williams may have been cornerback one, like really early before guys emerged and all that stuff. And, like, I could see it. Again, like I was going to be lower on him anyway. But he's a a fringe top 10 to 15 guy too, depending on how you view it. He's got really good movement skills. Um, The ACL obviously doesn't help him. The fact that he's clearly not that fast, I don't think, helps him. Like he was struggling to live with guys that run 4-4 flat when they ran with him. That's not great. But he's got a great drive on underneath. Anything lateral, anything underneath. He might have the best sort of drive and burst to those of anybody in this class. Liked him quite a bit. Um, Jacorian Bennett, the other Maryland corner, I thought was really good. 
split zones really well. Tested really well. like him as a zone guy. I think he's like a sneaky slot corner at the next level, maybe. That's what he did most of the time at Maryland, right? Yeah, yeah. I, another one of those guys that split did a bit of both. Um, plays through receivers really well, like even very, very late. Like he's not necessarily always going to get to the ball first, but he's going to make it really difficult for you to actually catch the ball. And then Riley Moss from Iowa. Somehow a white guy wearing number 33 is actually a pretty useful cornerback, which doesn't feel like it should be possible. He's a good player. He really is. Like, he can play. He's got, he's got absurdly good, uh, like, change of direction. He can adjust and regather himself on, uh, insanely fast, even when it looks like he's completely out of control and flailing. Like, guys will get him turned around, he'll flip his hips, the arms will go out like this, you know, and you're like, that, he's toast. And then somehow in, like, a step and a half, he's completely regathered himself, and he's now got to, like, make up, you know, half a step of separation to get back in phase. That was really impressive. Obviously, as a walking cliche, he comes up and sticks his nose in and tackles really well, you know. But, I mean, we're going back to Jason Seahorn, right, as the last guy to legitimately play cornerback in the NFL for any period of time as a white corner. This might be the guy to break that run. Moss is going to do it. He's a good player. I, I like I like Riley Moss. I don't you know, I don't love everything. He he feels like the guy who wasn't just at the catch point and lost all the time. Like the ball just somehow got through over and over and over again against Moss. Um, but not enough that it killed him. My model likes him. Production was solid. The the workouts as you mentioned, I think everything was good. He plays that um, like Bama Sherman style, like butt to the sideline, yeah. off coverage and all that stuff. So he's got um, – he's a unique player, Riley Moss. I like him. I think he's uh, – I would rank him higher if you ask me maybe tomorrow, right? I mean, the, because we re-rank, you know, changing my 8 through 15. So he's, Moss, there's a world where Moss makes my top 15. One thing that I noticed on his tape that I think is probably explaining what you were saying in terms of the ball getting through sometimes, um, I don't know if this is a – it is a skill. I don't know if it's also massively luck-driven. But he was beaten a lot on plays where there's a point during the route, you know, when you're in man coverage, and then you have to transition to, all right, I know what he's running now. I've got contact on the receiver, and now I've got to transition to look for the ball, find the ball, make a play on the ball. If you time that just wrong, right, you end up looking for the ball right as it's arriving, and you end up basically taking yourself out of position right at the worst possible time yeah. like it's literally the worst thing you can do if you time it wrong because if you just stay looking at the receiver you could make a play on the ball even if you have no idea when it's arriving or if you looked earlier you'd be able to make a play on the ball as it's getting there but if you time it wrong you end up caught in the middle and getting nothing and there were a load of plays for him where he just times it badly and the ball arrives right as he's turning to look for it and it just sails right over his head you know what i mean and i don't know if that's like did he just get really unlucky for a run? and Or is that like a problem? Yeah. Yeah, I think intriguing prospect, though, Riley Moss. Um, Tyreek Stevenson from, from Miami. A lot of people are much higher on him. Again, my, my numbers kind of like him. I don't. I didn't love his tape. It was okay. You didn't like him at all. I don't think he can mirror off the line at all. I think he reaches, gets off balance. He just – I kept getting letting receivers get behind him in zone so we've got problems in man coverage off the line we've got problems in zone coverage and anything going over your head he felt to me like an athlete rather than a cornerback football player like i just he's got 
Who did he remind me of, actually? Like, Keely Ringo. No, <laughs> he's, he's got someone, similar like similar shuttle versus forty. Just now that I'm stuff. like describing it, I I realize I've said these words about a corner in the past that I didn't like, and I can't think who it was. But like, he just he strikes me as a guy that's more athlete than football player. Yeah, he's um. There was a bunch of guys in this draft class where I only liked them in straight line situations. Yeah, and that was Stevenson, right? Accelerates downhill, straight line speeds, awesome. Again, I, I think I was I had a little soft spot for just physicality at the catch point. Seeing so many guys lose, I think he's I think, physical at the catch point. But again, <laughs> anything lateral, yeah, or zone, yes. Overall, didn't love Steve. One of my notes was anything one on one with no variables, he's fine. Anything with multiple threats, disaster. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Well, Walt's pissed off. He doesn't like any of our rankings, and we forgot Corey Trice Shocker. from uh, Purdue in his 19th percentile single coverage grade historically okay so i just want to throw the data point out there gotcha. um but yeah this is fun some people want to shut walt out they want to shut him down <laughs> maybe that's one of those things you could do you know with the the premium pay features in in youtube i don't you know might, if that's a thing if you can mute certain people you might be able to i have a feeling walt's like rick spielman yeah that's his uh just trolling yeah. all the time it's just rick going through that's why he has a full board and all that stuff it's rick it's rick could spielman be. yeah um do you want to talk to the PFF draft board really quick? Or do you want to just get out of here? You want to roll what we had, what our draft, what the board is? Yeah, what does uh, – did we update it? We might just have had another update. We can get Renner's, Renner's corner takes here so that we have uh, – Devin Witherspoon team. is number one, which yep. is becoming the consensus, right? Yep. We started off, I think, relatively out on an island there, and then I think the longer it's gone, the more everybody is deciding that Witherspoon is the number one guy. Then Renner has Christian Gonzalez – Joey Porter, Deontay Banks, uh, and Emmanuel Forbes. That's his top five. I see. Where are you looking? On the board. I see Deontay Banks, then Joey Porter. I don't. Refresh. We may have updated it today. Deployed this like a minute ago? Maybe. I don't know. I'm listen, I'm the uh, I'm the head of product, but not for anything that you guys use. Not for anything consumer side. Yeah, now I'm so don't your blame way. me for stuff. We flip. They, they exactly flipped. They went 16 to 18 in yeah. the opposite direction. So Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Deontay Banks, Joey Porter Jr., Emmanuel Forbes, then Cam Smith, then Cam Smith, then your guy Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah, so Renner's higher on him. Julius Brents, Garrett Williams. He's been high on Williams, right? and then Trey Tomlinson. Yep. DJ Turner, Keely Ringo, Clark Phillips, Jalen Jones, Corey Trice. There you go. Corey Trice is in the top 100 on the PFF draft board. That's all that matters. I got to get some Darius Rush propaganda over to Renner. I already mentioned his name. He moved him up to 101. I mean, he's got some. We got we got to get Mackay Blackman up there. He's 173. Come on. Yeah. Uh, who the two Mackays are back-to-back, Garner and Blackman. And then our guy Terrell Smith, or my guy Terrell Smith, he's got him number 316 on the overall board. Can't I, have he, that. He probably just hasn't been able to dive in yet. Man, it's a top 10 corner. Top 10 corner. We'll see. We shall You see. admitted yourself. If we only focus on this year's tape, he's a top 10 corner. Yes. Done. That's not. No. Nope. It's not how it Stop. works. Stop. That's it. That's anyway, all I need. You'll be here with Mike tomorrow, right? It's today only Thursday. Uh, it is only yeah, Thursday. You guys are doing something tomorrow. Yeah. Anyway, that was fun. Send us your quarterback rankings. Except for you, Walt. You already put them in the chat. Appreciate it. Um, let us know. How did we do? Uh, we'll do edge defenders next week. Yeah. Probably just a top 10 at that position. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, email us, tweet us. PFF NFL pod. And hopefully, you know, we've made this point before. Obviously, this will not be applicable to any clips that go out on social media. But whatever the rankings are, at least you can hear logic behind them, right? And these are not 
I disagree with you about some things, but you've made a case. You disagree with me about some things. I've made the case. Like we're giving justification behind the rankings of certain things, no matter how yes. outside of the norm they appear to be. It's all about the reasons. And I feel like that's what we're bringing here at the PFF NFL podcast, whether it's our mock drafts, whether it's our rankings, our conversation with Jim Nagy yesterday. It's all about reason and, you know, having some, uh, some, something to back up our takes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, appreciate everybody for tuning in. You and Renner, back here tomorrow with more PFF NFL Podcast.